Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Strength and Stories podcast. Today I have with me a guest who you can't actually fit into any of the generic boxes. He's a YouTuber, he's a freestyle footballer, he's a rapper and uh, more importantly we have some he's a physics graduate I forgot that. <laughs> and more importantly we have something in common that is our common admiration for the principle of stoicism which we're going to discuss here. Yeah. So we'll uh, start the conversation with a question samaksha could you explain in layman's terms what stoicism is and uh, for someone who hasn't heard it before okay yeah first of all like i have been introduced that way ever so yeah thank you for that <laughs> uh, like if you go by the proper definition of what the word is it basically it basically means uh, that you stay indifferent mm-hmm. you you're indifferent to whatever is going on around you externally Mm-hmm. and you maintain an internal composure right. that is uh, you know th- that stays calm and is composed basically <laughs> irrespective right. of whatever they are mm-hmm. in uh, externally pain right. pleasure hardship right. good times whatever mm-hmm. so that in layman's terms is what the philosophy of stoicism basically is is based on right so yeah. it's uh, more of maintaining an internal balance and uh, yeah. I-, i would say like whenever the term philosophy is used people usually think of some convoluted uh, uh labyrinth in which which is complicated by semantics and all and stoicism yeah. in that regard uh, i found to be an extremely practical philosophy yeah, so, yeah. It, it's very pragmatic and it's, it's something you can implement in your daily life yeah so, yeah uh, it, it's more like a way of life rather than a philosophy it, yeah. it's not like an intellectual acrobat that you go hmm. through uh, the philosophy because in general philosophies are that way because you just think about stuff but you don't act on it but right, stoicism right. is more about acting on it than thinking about it yeah it's so, more of implementation than the yeah. pure academic side of it right? yeah exactly okay right so uh so we've said what stoicism is and uh, there are certain principles of stoicism or the tenets of stoicism there are like yeah. the eight tenets so i'll go over them and uh, you can share your comments on them right sure, sure, sure. so the first one is that nature nature is rational that's the first tenet of stoicism so what do you think about that Na- is yeah, nature so stoicism rational is, yeah stoicism thinks of nature as a balancing force basically right. so uh, it's like uh, it, it then like has um, principles of fate and destiny involved in that nature debate hmm. that nature itself is balanced stuff out with the good and the bad and the pain and the pleasure hmm. so you shouldn't worry about what the nature is doing because the nature will act in a way that as a whole will balance uh, things out for you right right so right. living 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 according to nature is what uh, uh, the tenets basically so do you think that uh, as someone with a scientific perspective as well do you think nature is always rational or is rationality something we project onto nature uh i i do think uh if you think of yourself as an individual if you let your ego uh think of it in a way what nature is doing to you or how mm. it's acting towards you mm. it won't be rational you, you won't, it won't come off as rational right but if you look at it in a larger sense not from an individualistic sense mm. as in how is nature uh, going about acting on the whole of humanity or on the whole of world even yes. though uh, even, even then it's debatable whether it's rational or not but right. i i sort of like to believe that uh, not like to believe even i've seen stuff uh, hmm. whether it's on the news or whatever hmm. he, it is acting in a way where it's it's harming a certain population but right. then it's benefiting a certain population right humans are harming nature somewhere and hmm. humans are preserving nature somewhere mm-hmm. so it's like this symbiosis of the living things and the the animals basically hmm. and the geographical formations and the right. plants there's this symbiosis that hmm. balances each other out so in in a larger sense yes i do think it's rational although individualistic uh, in a individualistic right. debate it might be debatable right so if you look at it from our own perspective then maybe not but in a larger yeah. sense it is rational so The second is the law of reason which states that the uh, universe is governed by the law of reason humans can't actually escape its inexorable force but they can uniquely follow the law deliberately so 
Yeah, uh, this is somewhere uh, Stoicism sort of turned spiritual because hmm. there's this concept of the logos that they have. Right. Uh, that there's it's sort of similar to what uh, the Force is in Star Wars. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So they they have this concept of the logos, L O G O S, yeah. which basically states that uh, it's like the ultimate uh, reality or the ultimate reason that governs the whole universe, hmm. and we can't escape it. It 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 basically then again turns back to the destiny and fate debate. Right. Uh, so it's it's this uh, universal reason that no one mm. can escape. It, it's sort of like that. So it, uh, stoicism sort of goes spiritual in that sense because right. it's uh, you know uh, sort of referring to an universal entity or not entity but universal force of sorts. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the third one then is virtue, like a life led according to rational yeah. nature is virtue. So it's. Uh, I think we can treat virtue and wis- wisdom together. We can comment on that together. Yeah. And uh, wisdom is the root virtue. So from it springs yeah. the cardinal virtue, uh, insight, bravery, self-control, and justice. So, uh, so what do you think of the concept of virtue and uh, yeah. so justice? Here, basically, so they try to... They try to assign principles like moral, ethical codes and principles that one should abide by for hmm. their own goodwill, like for their own benefit and for the benefit of others as a humanity as a whole. Right. Basically, so if you think of it, it's it's like in any religion. Uh, hmm. Like I won't discuss Stoicism as a religion, but in hmm. any uh, philosophy of thought, yeah. uh, they do have moral code of conduct. Hmm. So, uh, Stoicism has, as you said, bravery, courage, and uh, wisdom. I hmm. don't exactly remember what they were. Yeah. But uh, like these are the principles that one should abide by if they want to benefit themselves in their life and benefit the ones around them. So, it's about being a good human being at the end of the day. Hmm. So, do you think there are uh, these objective principles that uh, one should abide by always as is stated in stoicism or do you think it is subjective? Uh, it, it, it sure is subjective to the situation and the circumstance. Yeah. Uh, because, okay, like it's too idealistic and utopian to think of, uh, even suppose, okay, if uh, Marcus Aurelius said uh, that you shouldn't uh, be aggravated by whatever the other person is doing, he mm. still went to wars with the neighboring state. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. because at that point of time, uh, that aggravation was required to protect his own kingdom. Mm. So, it, it, it does depend on the circumstance and the situation. It's subjective in that way. Yeah. So, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, what, what do I say? A universal line. No. It, it's not black and white. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of gray area. Yeah. Generally, it's not a good idea to punch someone in the face, but when you're in a boxing match, it is correct to punch someone. Yeah, in the exactly. Face. That, that, that's so, a very good metaphor, to be honest. Yeah. So uh, the next one would be apatheia, uh, which is uh, since passion is irrational, life should be waged as a battle against it. Uh, intense feeling should be avoided. So that would be. Yeah. So here, then they. It, it's very similar to like a Buddhist way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. That desire is the. Uh, you know the root of evil or the uh, hmm. root of suffering hmm. because when you desire something you can either, either desire pleasure or hmm. desire the removal of pain hmm. and it is when you desire something and you want something is hmm. when when it's not fulfilled the desire when fulfilled you hmm. fall into suffering and you know pain yeah so passion in that sense when you're passionate about something or when you desire something passionately uh, it, it can more often than not hmm. uh, lead to you suffering hmm. so that's what they're saying. Okay, it's not, okay. First of all, let me say it's not about not wanting things. It's not about having no ambition. Hmm. You can have ambition, but you shouldn't be attached to your desires. That, right. That's the basic principle. Be detached to what the outcome is, hmm. and be attached to the work you're doing. Don't right. do the work for the sake for sake of the outcome. Hmm. That that's sort of what they mean by passion. I, I'm guessing what they mean. Passion. Right. Right. Uh, and. Uh, the next would be pleasure. Pleasure is neither good nor bad. It is only acceptance yeah. if it doesn't interfere with the quest for virtue. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, like if biologically speaking, we are designed to, you know, pursue certain pleasures, whether mm. it's uh, sexual relationships mm. or food or sleep. 
like these are certain pleasures that we designed to pursue uh, but what what you know what is what i guess puts humans apart mm. is their ability to control their senses right. like animals are primitive in a sense they can't control their senses so they pursue those pleasures without having a sense of judgment right how how humans can be better than a primitive animal is when mm. they can control the senses and control their sen- uh, control their wanting of pleasure yeah because if you just give into it you as good as a primitive animal right that's why so, we are sentient so that's, uh, that's, uh, i mean that's uh, a bit well but yeah we are sentient and uh, then like uh, you don't necessarily always act on all your impulses if that were the case yeah like uh, society won't be the way it is right now you don't necessarily it, act on all the impulses so yeah it comes back to having uh, wisdom and virtue Hmm. you you judge what is happening around you with the sense of virtue and with the sense of wisdom hmm. and then you act on your desires or your wanting of pleasures hmm. so it's like you have to take in account a lot of things before you just give into the impulse right the next one is a bit uh, what to say debatable not not debatable exactly it's evil and uh, duty evil is poverty illness and death are not evil a uh, virtue should be sought not for the sake of pleasure but for duty so okay. that's that's evil and duty so i think the concept of evil is a as nietzsche says there's no good and evil necessarily but what do you think on evil the concept of evil yeah i don't think uh, what the evil referred to here is the evil that we generally go by right uh, so uh, evil here is more like undesirable circumstances they are necessarily evil mm-hmm. but they are undesirable circumstances mm-hmm. right so if evil supposedly as uh, poverty and what were the other evils uh, illness right illness yeah poverty and illness illness shouldn't affect you in the sense as mm-hmm. we came back to the definition of stoicism that external circumstances even though illness might be an internal circumstance right. shouldn't affect your mindset shouldn't right. affect your composure yeah. so it then again again this could sort of turn spiritual in a way because it differentiates between the body and the mind mm-hmm. because the body is support uh, is suffering the illness but the mind shouldn't suffer the illness the mind right. should be composed right so right. in that way differentiate differentiates between the body and the mind mm-hmm. and suppose you are in poverty you might be um, you know in absence of good food nutritious food or mm-hmm. you might be in absence of a good homely environment a good shelter yeah again these are things that are external Hmm. that you can uh, work towards bettering yeah but in that working you shouldn't be again be attached to what you might get out of that work yeah. nor should failing uh, failure in getting something out of that work should affect your composure yeah uh, so, so one thing i'd like to add there is it's not saying that you shouldn't be rich or you should not be something seneca one yeah. of the uh, main prime yeah. philosophers Uh, seneca was a very rich man actually so yeah, yeah. he is saying that i don't care that i am rich if all this is taken away from me tomorrow i don't care so it's not not being rich and not enjoying the pleasures but being indifferent to what makes no difference pleasure yeah so it's like we have both ends of the spectrum one at mm-hmm. one side we have epictetus who was a slave Hmm. and then at one side we have seneca who was part of the uh, royal proceedings he was part of the senate and everything right right so right. in both the cases both of them are stoic like yeah both of yeah. them sort of preach the same thing hmm. even though seneca eventually then get uh, exiled to an island or something as far as yeah. i remember reading so e- even when he got exiled hmm. uh, that that's very another goes to like hindu mythology but he got exiled but he he still had to uh, maintain his composure of right. of being a good man or being a composed man mm-hmm. so the next part i'd like to discuss is the history of stoicism sort of a brief history of stoicism so yeah. i think uh, samak should be better to explore that area yeah so like even i have a limited sense of knowledge it's not like i have researched far too much into it yeah. but whatever so my knowledge of what the history is comes from i bought marcus aurelius's meditations mm-hmm. and uh, as a forward to the whole book uh, mm-hmm. the translator had given a brief history of stoicism so mm-hmm. that's where my knowledge from of stoicism mm-hmm. comes from mm-hmm. so 
it, it basically so th there was this uh, uh, Athenian philosopher by the name of Zeno who was mm. actually like a disciple of Socrates to some right. extent. He used to he used to read Socratian uh, literature. I'm guessing that would be the right mm. word. Uh, so he started preaching sort of a philosophy. Uh, and, and let me give a background on what sort of philosophies were going on around at that time. Right. So this, this is around 300 BC, mm. and a very prevalent philosophy, obviously apart from Socrates and Plato, mm. was uh, Epicureanism. Right. Now, right. Epicureanism is about seeking of pleasure and having a joyful life, have, living a passionate life, following mm. your passion, mm. stuff mm. like that. Mm. In in contrast to that. Hmm. Zeno started uh, preaching a philosophy which he referred to as Zenonism for some like, very narcissistically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh, instead of seeking pleasures, you should aim to be a good man irrespective of whether you come across pain or pleasure. Right. And how the word Stoicism came to be is that he used to preach this on like a public porch in the hmm. middle of Athens. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the porch in their language was known as the stoa, hmm. the stoa or the stoi, as far hmm. as I remember. Hmm. And then it then translated to stoicism. Right, right. So Zeno started the basic ideology of what stoicism is. Hmm. Then there were his disciples, the prominent one being Chrysippus. Hmm. Uh, Chrysippus sort of carried that on. He hmm. wrote down wrote down memoirs and journals about right. Zeno's ideology. Right. And then we fast forward to like a couple of centuries where hmm. we have Epictetus. So, Epictetus was actually a slave who hmm. then got freed, right. uh, traveled to a city I can't remember the name of, yeah. and that is, do, do you by any chance remember the name of the city? No, no, no. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's just say he traveled yeah. to a city where he was yeah. a free man, no, no yeah. more a slave. Let's just uh, say he traveled to Gurugam. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably would have been a slave there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so he, he reached there and... Um, so uh, how he became a free man is actually interesting because uh, he was on a ship. That mm. ship, uh, as far as I know, was attacked by pirates or something or something mm. like that. Mm. And then he escaped and then reached the city. So he mm. obviously went through a lot of hardship from being a slave to right, right, right. Uh, facing th those circumstances. Mm. There, uh, he met uh, a philosopher who again I can't remember the name of, mm. and became his disciple. Right. And now that right. philosopher who he met wasn't exactly a stoic. He sort of uh, specialized in multiple philosophies, multiple right. philosophies, and he kept literatures from I guess a lot of philosophies. Hmm. So that is where Epictetus found stoicism. Hmm. He found what stoicism is, hmm. and then he started writing his own journals or started preaching to pe the people around him. Huh. And that is how the discourses of Epictetus came to be. Right. Now, right. Right. Like, they, they are. They are probably the most prominent literature when it comes to stoicism because uh, and it wasn't written by him actually it was more mm. of his di disciples writing down what Epictetus was preaching right so right, it's right. it's more like a word to mouth sort of a translation it's not very exact mm. but uh, those dis discourses of Epictetus are uh, i guess even Marcus Aurelius was uh, one of the students who would eventually read those discourses right so, right, right. That happened, and then mm. we move on to again uh, a century later. We have Marcus Aurelius mm. and Seneca, I guess, uh, after Marcus Aurelius or before, I'm not quite sure about the timeline. So, Marcus Aurelius being a Roman emperor, mm. at, you know, the ruler of the most uh, powerful empire in the world at that yeah. time, yeah, and that person being a stoic, it's so amazing. like imagine that, yeah, yeah. a philosopher king. Yeah. So a, a person has access to all the pleasures around him, yeah. but he may, uh, but he doesn't give into them uh, those pleasures. He he mm -hmm. he says uh, true to his virtue, true to his ideology, irrespective of what pleasures or what eventually the pains of wars and the pains of loss that surrounds him, irrespective mm -hmm. of everything, he stays a composed ruler. So he wrote down uh, what we now know as meditations. Which, yeah. which wasn't exactly supposed to be published. It yeah. was more like a diary entry for him. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, he used to journal his thoughts about mm. how to be a good man, how to be a stoic man. Mm. And that journal eventually, after his death, came to be known as Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, mm -hmm. which again is like a very popular literature when it comes to stoicism. Yes. And uh, we also have Penetra, who I'm guessing was uh, 
uh, in the court of uh, nero and nero mm. i'm guessing is aftermath of australia mm-hmm. or the course however it goes yeah. uh, so in the court of nero seneca uh, is a part of the senate he's rich uh, mm. he again has access to a lot of pleasures but staying true to his ideologies again that's debatable, debatable because there are criticisms of how seneca went about his lifestyle right. but uh, you know ignoring all of them um, mm. so he wrote a bunch of letters to his nephew who was jailed yeah uh, about about how to deal with the you know the pressure of being jailed and the whole situation because it obviously is a stressful situation mm-hmm. so those letters eventually went got public named mm. to be known as you know letters of seneca and again are part of a very uh, prominent stoic literature yeah yeah so um, these these three gentlemen epictetus uh, marcus aurelius and seneca uh mm. form like the trinity of stoic philosophers that uh you know propagated stoicism and right. during the reign of marcus aurelius uh, marcus aurelius stoicism was actually pretty popular mm-hmm. so like there there were a bunch of people uh, a majority of people in his empire ended up practicing stoicism right. which was then uh, later subjugated by the christian what uh, mm-hmm. estate or whatever the right. christian invaders yeah. uh and that philosophy was sort of subdued mm-hmm. so for like then the next thousand years it remained subdued mm-hmm. it was only during the renaissance period 13th mm-hmm. century 14th century that mm-hmm. it again came to the light right uh, and then eventually grew 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 and now we have like a modern version of stoicism right uh, with and uh, with the pieces added yeah with the yeah. self help boom uh, stoicism yeah. <laughs> stoicism also came to the limelight because it's uh you said that uh, while marcus aurelius was the king it was extremely popular among the public and a yes. major reason for that is because it's accessible to people it's it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's sort of like the buddhist meditation it's not some yeah. sort of uh you don't need to follow rituals or have yeah, uh, or, or related yeah. to a class or a religion or a sect it is accessible to all the people and yeah. uh, that is the reason why it uh, came along with the self help boom as well because it's immensely practical and uh, it is actually uh, very useful in multiple areas of our life so yeah what are some ways in which we can incorporate this into our lives so uh, how can uh, one be stoic in their daily life like how can one go about that yeah so it's it's not something uh, which you segregate to parts of your life it's about mm-hmm. how you live your life overall whether it's your uh, work life whether it's your relationships whether mm-hmm. it's your friendships whether mm-hmm. it's you personally how, mm-hmm. how what your mindset is mm-hmm. so it's not about uh, you know differentiating between all of those it's about mm-hmm. what your approach is throughout mm-hmm. right. so whether in your business whether it goes through a profit or a loss mm-hmm. You, you you stay wise you stay composed whether in a relationship whether you have in fights or whether mm. it's going really well mm. you 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 be the person who's the better judge mm-hmm. and uh, you know you always use your mind instead of giving into the impulses giving into the passion right, right. Uh, and wh- whether it's anything whether it's your friendships your your interaction with your parents your mm. uh, per- your personal pursuits in life mm. you you always A, a stoic man would, uh, a man or woman, a stoic person would always keep in mind uh, the basic principles. Obviously, as we discussed earlier, they are mm-hmm. uh, subject to certain circumstances. Right. But in general, like those principles are like uh, the law that one should abide by mm-hmm. uh, for being a better person and be living a stoic life. Right. So, so um. and the the principle the core principle behind stoicism i would uh, say is drawing a circle of influence like the things which you can control comes under your circle of influence and uh, the things which you can't control obviously uh, lays outside this while yeah. it sounds simple is an extremely effective way of finding out what you should not worry about essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. because and work on the things you can change because there are a lot of things you can change and that sort of misses out in the process of you worrying about all the things so that is one of the 
four takeaways if yeah. uh, if there is any from that's like a I that's think. like a gist of what choiceism is so mm-hmm. uh, like that whole concept of the circle of influence mm-hmm. uh, that stuff that you can't control which actually is limited to what your emotions are what your mindset is mm-hmm. because at the end of the day that is the only thing that you can control for sure mm-hmm. everything else is dependent on other factors mm-hmm. you're not in 100% control of them mm-hmm. so, so yeah what is within your influence uh should be controlled to its extent and what is without you know without mm. your influence uh mm. should be controlled to whatever extent you can exercise yeah so because the, yeah. yeah basically yeah. so if external factors are involved mm. you shouldn't worry about the external factors because they are independent of whether you worry or not mm-hmm. there's sort of a quote from maya anglo that uh sort of encapsulates this it's like if you don't like something change it if you can't change it change the way yeah. you think about it so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the general rule of thumb you can go by general and uh, how does stoicism compare with the other sort of philosophies sort of proper philosophies yeah so uh, I, interestingly so I, i read a lot of uh, uh, hindu literature too hindu mm-hmm. buddhist literature too mm-hmm. and interestingly mm-hmm. there actually a lot of parallels between them right uh, so Uh, again like uh, I, i'll uh, draw on to why that could be but uh, but just judging by the principles it's hmm. stoicism it teaches detachment right. and you know not seeking pleasure hmm. uh, and living a virtuous life hmm. even the buddhist and the now i i won't say all hindu ideologies but yeah. uh, specifically the open upanishads hmm. i i won't refer to the older vedic ideologies or stuff that came after the upanishads puranas hmm. brahmanas hmm. everything else Upanishad specifically, uh, page you know, uh, not seeking pleasure or pain, being mm. indifferent to to the external world and seeking your soul within stuff like that. Right, right. So self self realization basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in in that sense, the Stoic philosophies and the Buddhist and the uh, Upanishad Upanishadic philosophy, I guess that would be yeah. the word, uh, are very similar. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, when I was reading about this, I realized. Uh, that ashoka who was a very ardent buddhist mm. uh, sent sent out uh, buddhist missionaries to europe mm. to preach buddhism and that was uh, i'm guessing around 300 bc to nice. 250 or 300 bc mm. so it it pretty much aligns with the time when zeno started preaching stoicism right, so right, i don't right. know i don't i don't know this for sure but yeah. i i i think there might be some buddhist influence to uh, mm-hmm, stoicism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Uh, and th- that is a very interesting parallel that i came upon yeah yeah and uh, if i take the western philosophy perspective fr- of that even uh, kant and uh, schopenhauer who is famous hmm. for developing the pessimistic world view they are deeply influenced by the stoic perspective so the major philosophies that stemmed in the western literature uh, have reference stoicism in multiple places so uh, it has sort of even parallels and influences all through the yeah. philosophy it, it surely is a very influential philosophy because yeah. as as you said it was at the peak of uh, you know it was quite prevalent in the roman empire mm-hmm. so obviously it must have influenced a lot of artists and a lot of uh, historians uh, mm. so obviously there would be a you know a triple triple down effect of stoicism mm-hmm. in what we have today so, and uh, i i won't say like anyone can be a perfect stoic but what i yeah, would yeah. say is we can't be a perfect anything perfection although not achievable is something towards which we can ceaselessly strive so yeah. having that ideal of stoicism is very essential for us to strive towards being indifferent and all that aspects of our life yeah so, so obviously you can't achieve a utopia you hmm. you can't have everyone being indifferent to the external world being a virtuous man being wise being uh, you know acting a certain way irrespective of pleasure and pain you can't mm-hmm. have that mm-hmm. so uh, it's about aiming towards what can benefit you and the society as a whole even though realistically it might not make a lot of change but mm-hmm. it's about the bit of changes that you can make in your daily life that might you know uh, add up add up add up to mm-hmm. something worthwhile right 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 and um, how would you say that stoicism has influenced your life how 
Okay, so uh, like I got into reading philosophies, whether it was Western, Eastern, whatever, mm. uh, by, by like twenty eighteen or something. Mm. So uh, I I got into this because you know I used to be really emotional about stuff, like really anxious about the future. Yeah. Or you know what people say about me used to really affect me. People judging me used to affect me, mm-hmm. and you know uh, I used to get really emotional, emotional when it comes to like relationships and friendships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was really fed up of how I acted. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I started as you said the self help boom uh, boom yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I started uh, reading up about you know how how to keep your uh, mind composed how to keep yourself in control self control mm-hmm. and self mastery stuff like that mm-hmm. that is how so there was this uh, youtube video about uh, stoicism mm-hmm. uh, i think made by dead uh, education or something like that mm-hmm. uh, so you know, they have like pretty good animated videos about different mm-hmm. stuff so anyway so i came across that video and mm-hmm. i was like okay that is interesting what they're saying mm-hmm. so then i started reading up about what stoicism is mm-hmm. uh, I, I then I found about about medit found out about meditations. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So this is something that people read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I ordered meditations and discourses uh, by teachers online. I mm-hmm. I read them up. I was like, okay, this is something I want to practice. Like, right. I, even though it's hard, mm-hmm. but and like it it's been I think about two years. I still haven't gotten very far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about the minute changes that you make, and I I generally do feel a lot better. Uh, when it comes to my you know emotional composure right. I, i don't feel as anxious about the future i don't feel as uh, affected by what uh, others how others react to me hmm. so uh, it's it's about these small steps obviously you can't change how you've been conditioned in the first hmm. 18 years of your life hmm. in the next two years hmm. so obviously it's going to take some practice so hmm. in terms of what you can practice is hmm. i started meditating first of all yeah. that was really helpful because then um, it's it sort of helps you because meditation is actually about concentrating on one thing mm. and what concentration is that you're training your mind to act in the way you want it to act yeah because you're forcing your mind to concentrate on something yeah that eventually that implies that you're in control of your mind mm. and if you're in control of your mind when it comes to concentration you would be in control of your mind when it comes to reacting to impulses yeah so that in that way meditation really helps mm. and then i also started journaling a bit So mm-hmm. journaling is basically about uh, whatever your thoughts are, just write them down. Yeah. And uh, whether they're problematic or whether they're good, just mm. read them a day later or a couple of days later and analyze them. Okay, this is what I was thinking. Yeah. Why was I thinking in such a way? Uh, what can I do better mm. when it comes to my way of thinking? And you know, introspect a bit. Yeah. So like these are two uh, two practices that really help me: meditation and journaling. Mm. Um, apart from that. Uh, I guess there are uh, other extreme practices too. Like uh, people say, uh, I, I saw this one video where they say uh, that wear very stupid stuff out in public so, so that you uh, stay indifferent to people judging you. And you, you, you uh, like practice that. I'm like, okay, uh, that, 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 that's no. a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit extreme. Okay. I, I, I can't go into college wearing, uh, I don't know, uh, underwear. <laughs> And I don't know. Yeah. I mean I mean I do wear an underwear but just <laughs> yeah. something about <laughs> uh and again like uh, th- there were uh, practices like donating all of your money or donating all of your stuff that again my parents would take me out of it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, not going to such an extreme. Yeah, yeah, but one thing um that gave me immense confidence like just just a sentence that gave me immense confidence is like imagine you living on the streets or living in extreme poverty and like live that one day or one week of your life then you will get the confidence that this is what i feared like this is the mm-hmm. lifestyle i feared it's not nothing to fear about so that eliminates a lot of your fear about being poor or all that living that really helps in in some case so that's one thing that really helped me and there's this uh, concept of building your inner temple or inner garden there's mm-hmm. that uh, could you explain what that is uh, before that since you uh, mentioned the poverty thing uh, mm. I, i remember this uh, quote uh, by i don't know some stoic philosopher mm. uh, it was on the lines of uh, whatever you fear 
try and live it and uh, you'll realize how uh, you know inconsequential or minor it was and you'll be embarrassed by how uh, you know what you're fearing you mm-hmm. know on on the lines of that and uh, it's actually uh, good because more often than not these fear things we, we make we amplify what the consequences of that fear would be tenfold mm-hmm. in our mind mm-hmm. in reality it isn't really that big a deal yeah uh, so it's about having again this is again a self practice having a larger view of things uh, don't have an individualistic small narrow minded view of things mm. look at it from a larger view and realize how minute and inconsequential your fears or your you know the things that worry you are right yeah apart from that what is the question uh, the inner temple or inner garden cultivating yeah. 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 The inner temple. That, that that's like what Sherlock Holmes had. <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah. But uh, it it's again sort of as I was saying. It's mm. um, you know keeping your mind in control or mm. introspecting. That's like giving that an image. Mm. Mm. So having that inner temple is like your own solace. Mm. And in that solace, you 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 cultivate what you want. You, right. You you. but your mind will react want, uh, however it is feeded mm. let me put it in a better way uh, your your thoughts lead to your will your mm. will lead to your actions and your mm. actions lead to your destiny right the consequences mm. right mm. so what you think is at the root of everything how your will would be how you act and what your destiny would be mm. and it is cultivating those thoughts within your mind in a way in accordance with what you want your destiny to be Hmm. is basically uh, the idea behind the inner temple right 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 so uh, yeah essentially our thoughts get colored by our emotions in many places so hmm. this is something um, i've read about like uh, in even in eastern philosophy uh, when sportsmen are trained they're trained to they're trained to uh, sort of inculcate the objective i because our uh, constantly our mind starts uh, adding context or sort of things which are not Pre- there upon discrimination yeah, yeah uh, our own biases against the yeah. uh, things that happen in life so for yeah, a swordsman that is like death because uh, they need to be very observant so the uh, developing an objective i is very important and acknowledging that you can have biases is the one of the important steps of like sort of we can never be 100% objective but again that's like perfection like we can be reasonable if, if not 100% objective yeah um, funny that you yeah yeah sorry completely yeah, complete. so funny that you mentioned like uh, eastern swordsman because mm. it was very recently that i was reading uh, literature by uh, miyamoto musashi now miyamoto musashi was like one of the most legendary japanese swordsman mm. uh, who was who was also a philosopher mm. so uh, his uh, philosophy like you said was about you know uh, looking at stuff from because we are biologically inclined to uh, you know discriminate between uh, harmful and not harmful things hmm right suppose if a if a honey bee is approaching you you hmm. your, your first reaction is to flinch or hmm. protect yourself hmm. like sort it away hmm. but you should realize if the honey bee bites you first of all it will die itself hmm. and second of all what the worst that's going to happen you will feel a pinch hmm right so uh, what uh, musashi's ideology was about that mm. uh, instead of considering things as bad mm. or good or harmful mm. as un- or unharmful which is what a biological in- biological inclination mm. is mm. uh you sh- you should rise above that inclination mm. and you know see stuff the way it is instead of considering it as good or bad or right. desirable undesirable right so yeah uh and uh, one one thing i'd like to say is uh think for yourself whatever it may be even in the case of stoicism there are certain statements that are not um, what to say uh, valid or philosophically speaking like there's a statement called the unexamined life is not worth living 
uh while it general case it is it sounds um reasonable but what the examined life was according to the stoics need not be exactly what the life worth living is so say a social worker is not leading a examined life according to a stoic so saying it is not worth living is also not entirely correct there are things which are not um entirely yeah, valid it, it, it's is- sort of like because even those scriptures not scriptures those uh, pieces of literature were mm-hmm. written by humans at the end of the day with their yeah. own biases however much even as you mentioned earlier they weren't perfect they weren't mm-hmm. aiming to be perfect but they mm-hmm. weren't perfect so they did have a certain sense of uh, irrationality or biases within them mm-hmm. which they would have like unintentionally projected upon what they wrote right so if you want to go about living the stoic life one of the major things would be to what your with the stoic literature that you're consuming uh, look at it with an unbiased or with uh, you know a sense of wisdom and virtue mm-hmm. so it's not about it's not about uh, you know following something blindly it's mm-hmm. about having your own rationality to judge what the other person's irrationality might be mm-hmm. so uh, yeah basically the point being uh, do, don't take it as a gospel what was written uh, yeah. in those literatures yeah. read it understand it and then implement what the, whatever seems valid whatever seems rational yeah 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 this always you can even add your own stuff yeah mm-hmm. this yeah that's how it developed basically so people yeah. added their own stuff and like we can adapt it to however we want and one thing i'd like to address uh, what you mentioned is meditation so does the stoic meditation but generally people consider meditation to be like sort of a brain freeze like not thinking about anything so that i would disagree to that it's more about observing what you are thinking and being mindful of it rather than not thinking anything because yeah, so there like yeah. multiple forms of meditation as far as uh, i've read and i've practiced so mm-hmm. uh, one of the the prevalent form that is you know uh, that they teach in schools or uh, that they teach in i, I guess uh, the popular yoga classes that mm-hmm. people go to is mm-hmm. where you just sit with your spine straight and breathe in and out mm-hmm. uh, that isn't the meditation that either the stoic people or even the buddhist people refer to mm-hmm. uh, so uh, the two major classes of meditation that they refer to first of all one being uh, having a blank mind and concentrating on one thing so it it's so it sort of goes this way uh think of it this way if you're rowing a boat on a way, on a stormy night right mm. or stormy day whatever mm. uh you know the sea uh, the, there are a lot of waves going down you can't really row the boat you can't uh you know traveling one direction and the boat isn't with you, within your control mm. so meditation in one way is about calming that water hmm. like there shouldn't be that up and down in your mind there hmm. shouldn't be waves the hmm. the mind should be calm hmm. and you know straight uh, and composed and that is how you can row your boat rowing hmm. your boat is a metaphor for what you're thinking hmm. right so you can only think straight when the mind is calm right so meditation in one way is about calming your mind and hmm. you know getting all the inconsequential and you know unimportant thoughts out of your head and then mm. thinking about one thing mm-hmm. being concentrating on one thing mm-hmm. the other form of meditation is uh, when you actually want to think about something in a deeper introspective way mm-hmm. so at that point of time you're not actually calming your mind you you more uh, you know uh, picking up one train of thought and then letting that train of thought flow free Uh, right no, flow free uh, so <laughs> letting it flow free and then being mindful of where your mind is going as it's flowing mm-hmm. so in, in that way you open up new trains of thought from that initial train of thought that this method is usually utilized when you want to uh, solve a problem or mm-hmm. uh, think of something in a different creative manner mm-hmm. suppose you have a problem you think of that problem in like a three dimensional way and right. let let the thought flow and you mm. might just come up with a solution right so like these are the two you know prominent methods of meditation that these people preach not the breathing and breathe it down thing yeah. that is uh, i'd like to add to that and like 
why do we focus on breathing because that's one thing we have with us at all times that's the reason this whole breath is associated with meditation that's one one thing we carry with us at all times it can necessarily be the sensation of our feet to touching the ground because that you know, is almost any sound that is constant around you and anything yeah yeah anything that is constant around you you can meditate on that there's this a uh, famous carnatic music composer who chanted uh, like i don't know 1 lakh uh, ram what to say the ram namas while he was composing his music that is a form of meditation he was meditating on something so you don't necessarily need to close your eyes or cross your feet like cross your legs and uh, be in that posture to meditate you can meditate on working say that is yeah. be, being focused on that also works and uh, and yeah that, that's what i'd like to add to the meditation conversation this uh, is not entirely yeah, it, at the end of the day it's about awareness mm-hmm. awareness of yourself and awareness of the stuff around you mm-hmm. so whatever suits you but uh, again it, it it you shouldn't take uh, stuff as gospel and mm-hmm. if someone is saying meditate in a certain way you don't yeah. have to necessarily meditate in that way you can find your own way of meditating you can have your own way of how to be aware of yourself and how to be aware of the things mm-hmm. around you and uh, if you would uh, say three practices that someone would like uh, could incorporate into their life to from stoicism that would improve their lives what would they be like what would the three practices be that okay so uh, i i would mention like uh, three philosophical uh, practices as in how you can think and three practices mm. how you can act i, I would right. i would uh, right. uh, so when it comes to thinking a certain way so uh, like uh, the stoic philosophers had a lot of phrases to throw around mm. one of them being memento mori i am sure you yeah, you've yeah. heard of it right so it's basically being mindful of your death being aware that you're going to die someday mm-hmm. and you have a limited amount of time on this earth mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so uh, it's about uh, realizing that you actually have a limited amount of time and making the most of it now mm-hmm. how you make the most of it is not by uh, being distracted or being uh, right. you know being led into something you don't want to do mm. you, you stay focused on what you you want to do in your limited time and then do it mm. right uh, the other yeah the other popular one being amor fati mm-hmm. uh, now amor fati is something that i love as an ideology i had it written up on my wall i'm sure you have seen it in the hostel room yeah. uh so it's about you know loving your fate hmm. uh now what that implies is that there as we mentioned earlier there is stuff beyond our control there is hmm. uh there are external factors that will create circumstances that you won't probably want to be created Mm-hmm. there there are good good things that will happen to you there are bad things that will happen to you in respect of all of that you should you should consider all of this your fate mm-hmm. and love whatever happens to you mm-hmm. be be embrace whatever is happening to you on and don't paint as painted as good or bad mm-hmm. hey, uh, i'm going through a bad time i'm going through a good time no you're just mm-hmm. going through time mm-hmm. and uh, whatever happens to you shouldn't affect your you mm-hmm. as a person yeah um and the third one okay i had two in mind let's just skip the third one then <laughs> uh and and then on to the things that you can practice uh, right. or act on hmm. so one obviously as you mentioned meditation hmm. it's actually a very uh, viable practice you, you can literally do it anywhere hmm. anywhere from like 10 minutes to an hour two hours hmm. whatever suits you obviously hmm. not two hours uh uh but yeah so it's about you, you can meditate in a lot of ways you, you can meditate for varying amount of uh, amounts of time whatever mm. suits you mm. uh, the other thing again as we mentioned was journaling mm. uh, uh it's about writing down your thoughts ri- writing introspecting about how you feel why you feel that way and right. what you can possibly do about that right the third one that again uh, i used to practice a lot is spending some time alone now uh and you don't necessarily need to think about anything when you're spending the time alone you just you just be, need to be aware of your surrounding and spend. so what i used to do was um, so like 
the the place where we have a college is actually like surrounded by some beautiful architecture hmm. and uh, you know it's a it's a good place to just walk around hmm. so i used to just put on my earphones and hmm. just walk around south bombay whether it's the fort area or right, you know, right, well, right. I, I, used to, i used to just like spend an hour or so just walking around hmm. bombay and uh, I, i wasn't actually thinking about anything i used to just focus on the architecture focus on the music hmm. uh, focus on the people around me just hmm. observe observe hmm. observe stuff hmm. uh, that is a form of therapy in itself because when you do stuff like that when you uh, look at nature or spend time by yourself you you realize there are there is a lot more to life than what was worrying you there's right. there's a there are lo- there's a lot more stuff going on than what you think is going on in your own narrow minded approach mm-hmm. towards life so these three practices like i would recommend it to everyone like you could try it out and reject it if it does not work out but for me personally yeah. it did help me a lot yeah and one thing that would help is looking at something bigger than yourself like uh, getting perspective of where you are in the universe is a stoic practice that i'm sure you're aware of that mm-hmm. really helped me like even uh, literally if you imagine yourself from say you're looking at yourself from the ceiling and then from the sky or like mm-hmm. from a, a wider and wider perspective you'll see how how, how small, small you, you are. Yeah, yeah uh you'll see uh, you, you'll have heard this before but literally if you try practicing it it really gives you perspective of your problems and whatever is going on in your life so yeah i think, think there were proper term for this I, i don't remember the term but it's it's about uh, have uh, uh, you know looking at yourself from the clouds or something there were term mm-hmm. for this thing yeah, i'm not sure yeah so yeah as i said you, you, you'll realize how small you are compared to the larger yeah. scheme of things and it gives a sense of awe and like even mm. something as simple as uh, sunrise or sunset like that looking at something uh, bigger than yourself always gives you perspective and yeah. um, i think i think uh, we'll wind it up here so sure. so that's been it so thank you so much for tuning in and uh, i'll see you next week yeah bye bye